0: When a secular organization is collecting data, it is about them. It is about their work. But the perspective that I developed as a theological foundation to the way I see data, to me, God is already in the community. So what we are measuring, it's not about our work. It is actually evidence of God is at work, right? So that's that's a different perspective that you bring here
1: Welcome to the Ending Poverty Together podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Shalane. We're here to discuss big questions about poverty in bite-sized ways. Today we have the privilege of being with Subodh Kumar, the Senior Director of Data for Good with Food for the Hungry.
2: In his role, Sabode provides leadership to the evidence, impact, and data intelligence function at FH and is responsible for enhancing FH's ability to leverage internal and externally driven data to drive decision making.
1: Sabode brings 25 years of experience in monitoring and evaluation to make data engaging and to generate insights for program adaptation and evidence for impact.
2: Wow, Eric, I think there's an entire podcast worth of material in just that Mm -hmm. last sentence. Sabod, we are thrilled to have you join us today.
0: Thank you very much, and it's my privilege uh, to be here today.
1: Well, Sabod, I have a bit of insider information to know that you have done a great deal of theoretical work for FH around the four relationships at the root of poverty. So it really feels like an honor for me to ask you to finish the sentence, poverty is, so that you can help us deepen our understanding of this
0: concept. Poverty is about broken relationships. Our programming model in Food for the Hungry, any model should have three things. The theological basis on which the model was developed, the conceptual framework, that help us to execute things, and then the measurement framework that help us to generate evidences. And through that evidences, we can connect the three. What are we learning about our conceptual framework? And what are we learning about our theological framework? So theological framework, let me start with that first, because that's what inspires us. And as I said that Poverty is about broken relationship, broken relationship with God, with others, with self, and with the creation. And then all our projects that we execute in Food for the Hungry are simply our way to connect or restore these relationships between these four elements that I talked about. So we as a Christian organization believe that God has given us this opportunity to execute things through our projects that enable us to understand how we are contributing to God's mission, which is about restoring those four broken relationships, because that's what exactly uh, Jesus came for.
2: Mm, thank you. Sabod. One of the things that I know you have focused on, and again, kind of like Eric said, I have some insider information as well, because I I know a little bit about, actually I know quite a bit about your work, and one of the things that I believe you would say is really central to understanding poverty is the visible and the invisible dimensions of poverty. Could you speak to that for us a little bit, please?
0: Yes. Uh, Thank you, Shaleen, very much. and. I think that is what distinguishes us from anybody else. So for any organization that is driven by secular values, visible form of poverty is enough for them. So when they measure how much poverty have they reduced, they're only talking about the visible dimension. When I say visible dimension, that is the dimension that you can physically see with your eyes. So things like uh, when we are talking about visible dimension, we are talking about uh, reduction in stunting. We are talking about early grade literacy. We are talking about school preparedness. We are talking about livelihood provisions, reduction in hunger scale or gender or disaster resilience. These are the same thing that any organization would measure and notice that they have reduced poverty, which is... The visible dimension we can physically see. Mm-hmm. What makes Food for the Hungry unique and which makes it distinctive is the invisible dimension, which is inspired by our theological foundation of our programming model. So in invisible dimension, we are talking about four important things. And these four important things are driven by Jesus who, who gave us a commandment. I give you two commands. Love your neighbor more than yourself, and love God more than anybody else. So these are the two commandments that Jesus gave that drives our invisible dimension of poverty. So one of them, the indicator that we call is Samaritan love or caring for others. So that's change in people's perspective, and then they share their love to the others, especially with the most vulnerable. The second one, we call it as generative hope. That means people's faith in their hope, and that is also driven by our faith. So whether we are in a a vulnerable situation or whether we are in a disaster or whether we are in a long-term situation, how do our programs provide that hope to the communities for their future? Uh, That's the second thing that we measure in invisible dimension of poverty. The third thing, you know, everything that we execute, the key element is our own staff. And how do we spiritually form our staff? Because at the end of the day, if staff are not spiritually formed, they cannot improve the generative hope and the Samaritan love uh, in the community. So That is the third dimension we form. And then the final dimension that we call about is the whole element of social sustainability, that Mm -hmm. relationship, that establish, because that's a crucial element when we talk about poverty as a broken relationship. So sustaining those changes is an important element. And those are the four dimensions we talk about in invisible dimension of poverty.
1: So, Sabod, I know... That focus groups are used in coming up with a lot of what you're talking about here. Could you speak a little bit more to how focus groups play into all of this and
0: all of your work here? Sure, Eric. You know, the visible dimension of poverty, mostly we measure them through household service. But when it comes to the invisible dimension of poverty, it is difficult to measure them through household service. So that is where the qualitative nature of data comes. So we do focus group and in focus group, we have two types of focus group. Actually, I call focus group with the leaders, but uh, with the community, the men, women, and children, even though the methodology is focus group, we call it as the workshop methodology where Mm -hmm. we meet separately with children, men, and women. And with all the three different groups, we have this creative way especially with children, even though we are doing focus group, but we are using some activities to get the data out with the children because for children, answering questions is difficult, but creatively by drawings and many Mm. other things, they Mm. can express themselves. But with the adults, we do focus group where we uh, have discussion questions and then we listen to to people and then compare how men's insights were different from women and women's insight different from children. And so you get a better perspective because you have an insight from men, you have an insight from women, and you have insights uh, from children, and then you compare them. And then you go to Mm -hmm. the leaders, leaders Mm -hmm. from different groups, so leaders from saving groups or community leaders or church leaders, and then talk to to them. And then you start comparing how does leaders' opinions differ than Mm -hmm. the common people in the community, which was men, women, and children. And you get very interesting perspectives from when you compare these insights from these different groups.
2: So, Bode, I know that we work with communities in Food for the Hungry for approximately 10 years. How many times would this focus group activity and interviews and discussions, how often would that happen over the course of, say, the 10 years,
0: roughly? So normally, as a discipline, we try to do midterm evaluation every two and a half years. So if if you start a program, let's say you do baseline, and then you do it after two and a half years midterm, and then after another two and a half years, your your phase one evaluation, and uh, then midterm, and then another phase. So approximately between four to five times, you go to the community and you'll have a data set over the period of 10 years, to compare the journey, transformational journey of the community. Mm, Thank you
2: for that.
1: So that enters into the next question that I have for you, Sabod, which is you are a specialist in measurement and evaluation, which you've alluded to already here. Could you share with us some more
0: about what that actually means? Sure. As an MNE person, I believe it is about data, right? Mm -hmm. And data help us to make different decisions. It gives us a perspective that we learn. And also, it helped us to understand, going back to where I started, our conceptual framework, our theological framework, and improve our measurement methodology. So data help us to create many different dimensions of our understanding. And that is what monitoring and evaluation to me means. It's not just simply collecting data and analyzing. But Mm -hmm. it is about the whole value chain from all the way to collection, to creating insights, to creating an action which leads to value, Uh, which is very technical in in a way. But data also help us, I believe, is a perfect way to understand or establish our intimate relationship with God, because through data, I believe, I see, I gaze upon the face of God. Mm.
2: I'd love to hear you expand a little bit more on that, if you would, please. Sure. I don't think I have ever heard anybody express that appreciation for data in that way.
0: So, Shalin, you believe that God is in the community before we Mm -hmm. go to any community. Mm -hmm. God is already working, right? Mm -hmm. So, when a secular organization is collecting data, it is about them, it is about their work. But the perspective that I developed as a theological foundation to the way I see data, to me, God is already in the community. So what we are measuring, it's not about our work. It is actually evidence of God is at work, right? Mm. So that's, that's a different perspective that you bring here. The data that we collect is not about food for the hungry. The data that we collect is not about programs we are doing. But that is how we witness God in action. And because we witness God in action, we see the different perspective of God there. So like when you say data, data has three things. The data has the attribute and the data has the, the characteristics. And when you look at the face of God, you have certain name that is based on dat- on the characteristic of God, which is exactly the same uh, that we understand the, the data. Then the attributes, of data, which is some of the name of God are based on his attributes, and the third one is the nature of the data. So those names are based on the uh, nature of God. So if you look at Mm. three elements in any data, it's characteristics, it's nature, and it's attribute, all the three relates with God, because we know God based on their attributes, which is Mm. whether God is as a father, or as a characteristics, which is omnipresent Alpha and Omega, and God's nature, which is whether he is a healer. So you can see God as a healer, or you can see God as a farmer, or you can see God in, in a mother, right? Mm. Uh, every element of data is you gaze upon, either his nature or his attributes, Audio characteristics.
2: Mm. Mm. Thank you for that.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful, and like Shalane said, I have to agree that I've never heard anyone speak about data in that way before, Sabode. So thank you for sharing that with us. My next question is around the collection of data. You know, you spoke about interviews and you spoke about focus groups and and these opportunities to speak with members of communities. Are there other ways that data is collected in the communities where FH is working?
0: Primarily, we can group them in two ways. One is the monitoring data and one is the evaluation data. So, yes, evaluation data, we use mixed method, which is quantitative and qualitative, Mm -hmm. the focus group and household survey. But we also have a routine monitoring data where most of the data collects by our field staff visiting a house. And so mm. they, that is where they establish this personal relationship. And during that visit is where, in my mind, actual transformation happens mm. in that interaction that the field staff is having with the community member during that routine monitoring. So Data is not only in that process, they're collecting the data through house visit, but they are also establishing the relationship, Mm -hmm. right? I think that's the important element of our data Mm -hmm. collection. So yes, through routine monitoring, which is household visits, where they collect data and then they report upward, and you can learn from that. Uh, But in evaluations, you do household visits, which is again, visiting them back. And so it's only not collecting the data, but while... Even in the evaluation, we're establishing that relationship. And then we interact Mm. through focus group and uh, structured workshop. Uh, So these are different ways that we get the data. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm. What kinds of things are measured with the baseline studies when a community first begins partnering with Food for the Hungry?
0: So that's a good question, Chalene. So when we say uh, baseline, in my mind, baseline is when you have designed your project. So you want to really know what is my starting point in this journey of transformation. Mm-hmm. Whereas where, b- when we start our relationship phase with the community, then we explore what are the different issues that this community uh, is struggling with. That's where we will have partnership and that's where they need external help and so that's type of data so whether it's issue related with health or a livelihood or is it the vulnerability because there is nothing to eat so communities are in the different level of the spectrum of vulnerability and so we identified in in that assessments is where and how we can partner together for this 10 years journey that we are going to have with those community
1: mm. well To our listeners, I'm sure that there's already lots of questions coming to mind as uh, we're having this conversation with Sabod. Please feel free to reach out and engage with us. We love to hear from you. Any thoughts or questions that you have, the email that you can reach us at is podcast at fhcanada.org. We would love to hear from you and to continue this conversation together. Sabod, back to our conversation. I've heard it said that data is stories at the end of the day, that data is really the collection of the stories of individuals. And you've alluded to that a few times now. And maybe that's one of my big questions for you is how do you take data, which on the surface to some people might seem boring or bland or, you know, numbers and statistics, how do you... (laughs) Or
2: overwhelming. Or overwhelming, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Yeah, And I
1: don't mean any of those things in a negative sense, but just the reality that numbers can overwhelm some people sometimes myself included in that. So how do we take data and ensure that it gets communicated in a way that tells stories and brings out the humanity and God's work in humanity at the core of that data?
0: This is a beautiful question, Eric. My background is statistics. So Mm -hmm. I started with pure numbers. And then I realized if you just depend on numbers, they can be just empty statistics within within themselves. Mm-hmm. But every data has a spirit behind it. So mm-hmm. one of the things that we learned in and food for the hungry, and when we started working on refining our indicators, uh, which is where we collect our data, is based on the indicators. One of the things that foundational to our understanding of data is that we are created in the image of God. So if we put the human person in front, right, and then pick up how we measure up our our projects, having a human face to the indicator, then it makes, it connects the data with the human person. And it was, I think, Mother Teresa who said that in every person, every sick child, in every person, I see God. And that's what I was saying, the face of God. And mm. and so we are very selective in the indicators. So for example, if we are measuring livelihood progress, instead of measuring, simply saying, what is the average increase in income? That could be a very empty statistics, like there is no human face mm. there. Yeah. But rather than if we talk about number of households, our number of children who now have enough food to eat, which is as a result of the increase in income, will make more sense to us because we are bringing uh, a human person in, uh, in in all our indicators. So that's helped us to narrate our data to a person, because that's how mm-hmm. the story, story you always have an actor. And that mm-hmm. actor is either a beneficiary to who who is getting benefited or somebody who's working, like our staff. so connecting mm-hmm. those two stories together makes it more easier because you have a person. And I think it's very easy for us to connect with a person mm-hmm. rather than to a number. I agree. Sabote, so, I'm
2: wondering if we can shift gears a little bit here because there's so many different things we want to engage with you about. A lot of, as you've been talking, a lot of FH's work deals with personal and relational brokenness. Poverty is also systemic. And so I'm wondering if you can make a connection for us on. How does the repair, the reconciliation of the four broken relationships also translate into systemic change for vulnerable populations?
0: Thank you, Shalene. This is where we are learning a lot about relating our work with the systemic change. Uh, And as we are from this midterm evaluations that we have conducted uh, in 15 different countries, one thing that we have learned is to is to start addressing the systemic nature of of poverty. Mm. And I think that is where two things that Food for the Hungry does uh, makes a lot of sense, is when we work with the systems. When a child, child lives in his house, and then the child lives in the environment, which constitutes the system. And so if we are working with the child just at the home, we won't be able to really eradicate poverty completely because systemic nature is still there. And so that is why, through our programs, which is focused on building leadership, both at the community level and at the environment that constitutes the system, which is government, right? Mm. The policy part of it. And and so our work in many communities that we have seen deals with the environment. Even in our strategy, we are talking about Two things, the micro nature of poverty and the macro nature of poverty, both needs to be tackled. And so our strategies are dealing with that. So influencing policies right now, COVID vaccination, how do we uh, make sure that it is accessible to the vulnerable person that we are working with or health services or education services so, for example, when we want to improve the quality of education just by giving some resources to the children or working on uh, school infrastructure is not going to help unless we work with the government to make sure the teachers are there regularly, mm-hmm. the policies are improved. And so through our programs, we deal both sides, the micro and the macro nature of poverty, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, Shaleen.
2: hmm Yes, it does. Thank you for that.
0: So Sabod, you know, you've
1: mentioned a few times the or it's been talked about a few times here, that the 10-year process that we are engaged with in a community, what FH uses. And that 10-year model comes to an end with a graduation. And I'd I'd love it if you could share some more about first of all, what does it actually mean that a community has graduated? And then secondly, what is the graduation methodology which uh, you yourself developed for FH? What does that look like?
0: That's an interesting question, Eric. So, you know, we use the word graduation, right? Uh, And we don't use the word exiting a community, right? Mm. And there is is a reason behind it. When we talk about graduation, who is at the forefront? The community, right? Mm -hmm. When we're talking about exit, then who is at the forefront? it is food for the hungry,
1: hmm. right?
0: Hmm. So yeah, that's so that's the first distinction why we are using the term graduation. And then graduation is the definition that the way we have defined is the ability of the community to sustain their transformational journey. So, you know, over the time, as Shalini, you asked uh, right in the beginning, what do we do when we start our work in the community? That's mm-hmm. exactly right there we start talking about graduation that mm-hmm. means building not towards the end but right at the beginning is what does food for the hungry needs to partner with this community that they have their their ability is increased to sustain their transformational journey and then we measure mm-hmm. them at the, the different levels so when we are uh, uh, talking about the graduation we use the same data and we use another filter framework so we talk about that, okay, in terms of um, understanding the graduation, where where does community is in terms in terms of their leadership abilities, right? So we worked on the, do they have leadership uh, capacity to sustain their journey? The second thing that we talk about is, do they have technical abilities? So when we start a journey, a lot of their... Uh, Abilities from a technical perspective may not be strong. So over the time, FH builds their technical capability. The third thing that we talk about is, do they have financial abilities? So, Mm -hmm. you know, you work through different groups and make sure that the leadership in the community know how to acquire resources, even if Food for the Hungry is not there, to sustain uh, their work. And then the final one is, what is their spiritual transformation? Mm-hmm. So all the three, they may have a good leadership, technical and financial, but if there is, there is no spiritual formation or spiritual transformation, we don't think they are ready to graduate, right? Uh, it's, it's the spiritual transformation that will sustain all the three. But these are the four mm-hmm. broader categories of their capability that we analyzed and we feel, are uh, whether together with the communities, where in these four dimensions are they in terms of their abilities to sustain all these four elements. They're interconnected, but these are mm-hmm. the four elements that help us to make the graduation decision. Mm. The second thing is then we, when we look at the data, sometimes data can tell us a different story than the person who live in the community. So when we, when we try to triangulate our sources for graduation, okay, what is our evaluation data telling us? Both the quantitative and the qualitative. And we triangulate it with what is the assessment of the field staff, a promoter who lives in the community, who knows mm-hmm. the community much better than an external evaluator people who are coming. And so what is the assessment of this field staff of the community in this four dimension of leadership, technical, financial, and spiritual. So then we collate our data with the field staff data, and we see if there is a harmonization of the two. Uh, That's where we make a community graduation uh, decision. But if there is a disparity between what our data is telling and what the field staff is telling, then we tend to go more with the assessment of the field staff because that person is right there Mm -hmm. in the communities 24 hours a day and we just came in for a short while. Uh, And so we try to see, okay, what does field staff data is telling us and then see if we need to extend our journey or do we need to graduate.
2: That's a beautiful expression of the value FH has on relationship and on the assessment of the field staff and the weight that you place on that. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Sabod, one of the things that we do love to ask every guest is, what books might you recommend for people if they're interested in this topic or other resources? What might be some things that a listener or one of our listeners could pick up and read to learn more about graduation, about monitoring and evaluation? What What would you suggest?
0: Yes, I think to start with, obviously our uh- God's story is, is the foundational to uh, to think through. And the other two books that I found very helpful was written by Bryant Myers, Walking with the Poor and Working with the Poor. And recently I read a particular book which is uh, helped me because you asked a, a question about how do you tell data story, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so... I was reading this particular book, which I found very inspiring, but right now I even have it on my uh, table, Effective Data Storytelling, How to Drive Change with Data Narrative and Visuals by uh, Brent Dykes. Fantastic book about uh, data storytelling. And there are a couple of them on the just on monitoring and evaluation, uh, World Bank's book on Result-Based Monitoring and Evaluation is an interesting book. Um, and then there is another one on how to do theory-based evaluation um, is then another book that I recommend uh, that helped me over the, over the course of my work.
2: Great. Thank you. And we will make sure that all of those books and resources are listed on our website. So if you're listening and you're eager to track down these books, that's an easy way for you to be able to find them. Thank you for that, Sabod.
1: My pleasure. Well, to our listeners, I asked the question, what are you leaving with from this episode today? What resonated with you? In particular, for me, I am uh, just considering more and more how how central relationships are to this. And I know I, I have, like we said, I have insider information, I have my biases, I'm, I'm part of the FH team, but when I hear you speak, Sabode, about even down to a somewhat, like just even how stories and the data is collected, it's through a relational connection. It's through having a conversation, staff sitting down, having a conversation with a family, that in itself is not coming in and doing a survey and and leaving. It's it's actually repetitive relationship building over time, and that in itself is something that's transformative. So it's that is again kind of shaking my brain up with um, just the power and the centrality of relationships to this work. So really, I just want to say thank you again, Sabod, for sharing all that you've shared today.
2: Mm-hmm. Sabod. I agree with Eric, and also just really thank you for how you have highlighted the importance of understanding God being in the community before we arrive, and that it's Mm -hmm. God's work that's being done. One line that stands out to me is, the language of graduation is about— what the community, what God has done in the community, it's not, the focus is not on us. So I appreciate that. I'm just wondering, as we come to a close of our time, is there anything else that you would like to share with us? Anything that we didn't ask that you were hoping we would have asked you about today?
0: No, I think, Shaleen, this was a, a wonderful conversation. Um, just, I just wanted to add one thing, which is very foundational aspect of Bringing my faith into what I do, uh, especially with the with the data and the monitoring and evaluation, why do we collect data, uh, or or why do we measure our work? Uh, one thing that when I was growing up as a child, um, and I learned it in my Sunday school classes, is that God created us to glorify Him, right? Mm. And so everything that we do, whether we do a project or whether we measure or whether we write our story, it is all about Him being glorified and not us, right? And and sometimes one of the mistakes that we do from our measurements and for our data collection, when the focus shifts on us or on the organization, and Bible is very clear about that God hates that. So if you know that David's story, when he wanted to do the census and God said don't do it because Mm -hmm. he wanted to count those eligible person who can go to war. And and God said, no, trust me, still David went ahead and God punished him for that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, when data is about God, it is him that get pleased in what we do. And that is the fulfillment of our purpose. That is the full fulfillment why you and I exist in this world and why we came into this world. That is the ultimate purpose, why Food for the Hungry exists for that matter. And why we work for the Food for the Hungry is to give glory to him and him alone.
2: What a beautiful way to end. Thank you so much, Sibod. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. My pleasure to interact with you today. To explore what your next steps could be, or find
1: out more about Food for the Hungry and what other Canadians are doing about poverty, Start by checking out fhcanada.org slash resources.